like to welcome you to Promoting Flexible Learning Opportunities in Online Courses, a Universal Design for Learning Approach, part of UCF's Faculty Seminars for Online Teaching. So our intention in each of these 30-minute seminars is to give you just a brief treatment of the topic with an array of resources to follow up. The face-to-face -face audience here, you'll see a URL on either side of the room. Uh, the online audience, you're going to see under web links, it's called Presentation Materials. That's going to take you to our website, and right now we have the presentation slides and we have an array of resources to follow up with this topic. I'd like to acknowledge the participants on site with us here in the CDL offices, as well as those participating online via Adobe Connect. Welcome. Uh, our online participants are in great hands with Dr. Linda Futch and Dr. Beth Nettles as the online moderators, and Ed Loiko and Alex DeCerno ensuring technical quality. For our online audience, if you have any questions, please add them in the chat pod during the session, and at the end, those will be addressed. Uh, and in the feedback form for today's session, for the online audience, you'll see that under web links called feedback form. Feel free to share any unanswered questions you have or anything that would benefit others, and we'll follow these after the session. The face-to-face -face folks have a print copy in front of them. So now, please join me in welcoming today's speakers, Dr. Mary Little and Nancy Swenson. Hello, and thank you all for coming today to our session. We appreciate you coming out on this lovely, cool summer day. And we're here to talk to you, as Amy said, about promoting flexible learning opportunities in your online classrooms. First, let's talk about the poll that you all have been filling out. Most of you have been filling out this poll online. Um, so in the online environment or audience, most people say they've heard about Universal Design for Learning, but they'd like to know more. What about our face-to-face -face audience? How many of you have no knowledge of Universal Design for Learning? Okay, I've heard of it with a show of hands. Okay, heard of it, but would like to learn more. There was probably about three or four people in that one. The third bullet, I have working knowledge and some experience, but would like to take it, take it to the next level. Okay one person, and then I regularly integrate UDL framework into my teaching, the UDL framework into my teaching. Okay, we have one. So the majority of people, I think, are between the second and third bullet. Heard of it, but like to learn more, and I have a working knowledge of it and some experience, but would like to take it to the next level. Okay, good, because that helps us out as we begin our presentation today. All right, I'm going to go ahead and kick things off today talking about a little bit of the history of universal design for learning, and then I'm going to be turning over to Dr. Mary Little to talk about strategies on how you can apply universal design for learning in your online classroom. First, I'm going to kick it off with, the arrow's not working, so I'll use the mouse. <laughs> um, first, I'm going to give you just a brief session overview. And um, as I said, I'm going to be giving, talking about a definition of universal design for learning, the rationale for applying UDL, some strategies for applying UDL principles in your online course, and then, of course, we're going to be following up with some resources that Amy mentioned to assist you in applying UDL principles in your online course. First, like I said, I want to start out with a little history of universal design. It has a rich background in commercial products and architecture. Ronald Mace, who's an internationally recognized architect, educator, and product designer, 
When he was at the Center for Universal Design at North Carolina State University in the 1970s, defined universal design as a design of products and environments to be usable by all people to the greatest extent possible without the need for adaptation or specialized design. When we think of universal design, many times we think of the curb cut that you see here on the, on the screen in front of you. May have, it may have been designed originally for people in wheelchairs, but as we know, most of us benefit from curb cuts now, whether we're carrying a computer bag with us, grocery cart, bicycle, skateboard, you know, the usual things that we talk about with the universally designed curb cut. Another example might be for those of you that are in the face-to-face -face audience, you may have taken the ramp that's just outside this building to lead you down into this building. Again, it may have been originally designed for someone in a wheelchair, but we all benefit from the ramps that we see in going in and out of buildings. Another one that I use quite often is we have outside our building one of the buttons that you press to have the doors open for you. I use that all the time because I'm usually carrying a bunch of things, but way more than I need to be carrying, but I always benefit from using those um, universally designed buttons. But again, originally designed for probably someone in a wheelchair, but we all benefit from them. And if you would allow me to take this definition of universal design that Ronald Mace had and change it up a bit to apply to universal design for learning. Again, the same definition, I just changed out a few words. The design of the learning environment to be usable by all people to the greatest extent possible without the need for specialized, or excuse me, without the need for adaptation or specialized design. That's what I think of when I think of universal design for learning. In 2008, Congress defined UDL in the Higher Education Opportunity Act as a scientifically valid framework that provides flexibility in the ways information is presented, the ways students demonstrate their knowledge and respond to, helps if I read better, <laughs> provides flexibility in the ways information is presented, in the ways students respond or demonstrate knowledge and skills, and in the ways students are engaged. Key principles to remember in that first bullet. Also reduces barriers in instruction, provides appropriate accommodations, supports, and challenges, and maintains, another very important one, maintains high achievement for all students, including students with disabilities and students who are limited English proficient. CAS, the Center for Applied Special Technology, is a um, nonprofit research and development organization who specializes in research based on how people learn. Um, they have defined universal design for learning as a set of principles for curriculum development that give all individuals equal opportunities to learn. They also said, defined it as a framework to improve and optimize teaching and learning for all people based on scientific insights into how humans learn. And you'll find that their information is all based on cognitive research. And in their research, they found that the way in which people learn is as varied as our DNA or our fingerprints. And their um, research has identified three areas of the brain that are involved when each of us learn. The first area is the what I call pink or fuchsia area, the recognition network, or the what of learning. It's how we gather and recognize information that we're learning. The second network of the brain that's involved when we're learning is called the strategic network or the how of learning and that's how we organize and express our ideas and the final area of our brain that's involved when we're learning is the affective network or the why of learning 
And that's how we stay motivated and engaged in what we're learning. Along with these three areas of the brain that CAS has identified as the areas of the brain that um, are involved when we're learning, they've also identified three principles, one to go along with each of those brain networks. The first principle under the recognition network is provides multiple means of representation. So as I said, the, the recognition network is the what of learning. So to go along with that network is the principle provide multiple means of representation. And that what, what that means is it's important to present our information in various formats, in various ways, to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our learners. The how of learning, the principle that goes along with that, provide multiple means of action and expression, allowing our students to vary how they demonstrate what they've learned. Very important to be able to do that, to meet that particular area of our brain. And then finally, the effective network, or the why of learning, that principle is to provide multiple means of engagement. Um, giving students a variety of means in which they engage with you, the content, and with one another. The cast.org website not only has additional information about each of these networks and the principles, but also many strategies to apply um, in your classroom to meet the different areas of the brain in each of those principles. I'm going to be turning it over now to Dr. Little, who is going to be talking more about the origins of UDL and then going on into the strategies on how you can apply it to your online course. And then I'm going to follow it up at the end with a little bit about our tool, You Do It. Okay, perfect, Dr. Mary Little. Thanks so much. Thank you each of you for being here today. We have such a great representation of multiple colleges, multiple disciplines. And so as we're listening to these ideas, I'm at the College of Education and Human Performance. And so I'm thrilled to be here to talk about education and how we think about learning for all students. When you think about this particular session, think about the various barriers that really aren't there anymore. Some of us, if we're choosing to be in face-to-face, -face, if we are more comfortable with that type of a presentation, we've chosen to walk across campus and beat the heat and come here and be face-to-face. -face. Some of us are choosing because of location, because of time constraints, because of whatever, are choosing to connect with us virtually. Some of us may need to see this again a couple of different times. I know in my advanced age, I choose to do that sometimes. So it's being recorded so we can listen to it. There's also a chat box. There's also text features. When we think about then the barriers to learning, really, it's not about incapacities for any of us or any of our students, but it's really thinking about looking at developing these flexible networks. So it's more how can we make our, the information more accessible to more people if that makes sense. Just like our barriers, our perceived barriers, our steps, or some of the examples Nancy is starting out with, how can we then proactively plan? And so, and then so many of you said, how can I enhance further some of the work that, that I am doing within my courses? So, why apply UDL? Well, really, we think about all of us with our preferences. Or the, or the way that we learn that. Some of us learn that by looking at it. Some of us by talking about it. Some of us by drawing it out. Some of us by seeing it. So we know that we all these different differences. We do all of It's incredible. My brain is doing it in the last decade. It's really about how the brain networks work. And really, how can technology really assist us? Think of the things that we have in course development. And with other, other technologies available, available to reach more of our students and more in very different ways with the learning goals that we have. And so, as Nancy pointed out, UDL, we have all the legislation.
in addition to one of disabilities. But really, it's now broader as we're really taking a look at what are some multiple options for all of us to address our learning needs. And so that's what's so exciting. And that's also what's so exciting about having so many of us involved in this conversation. As a special educator, this just warms my heart. You need to know that the University of Central Florida is way above and ahead of so many of the universities with the work that we're doing for accessible content. Accessible content with UDL, I mean, when you take a look at what we know about good teaching, whether it's the undergraduate level, graduate level, it doesn't matter. Good teaching is good teaching. We want to make sure that we've got a welcoming, positive climate. We want to make sure that there's supports. We want to know that our students are very clear about the learning objectives, right, and how we're going to move forward with those learning objectives. We want to design teaching so that students will, will, that will meet their needs, right, because we want them to learn it. We're passionate about physics. We're passionate about our work in, in um, nursing and in healthcare. So then how do we share that passion and that knowledge so that they, our students will then be able to um, demonstrate that knowledge, to acquire the knowledge and demonstrate that knowledge as they're moving through the program and then moving out to the professions. My goodness, we want our nights to be incredible. So then to think about multiple ways so they can demonstrate, learn their knowledge, demonstrate their knowledge. And some of that comes through promoting the interaction. And so getting started. The syllabus, you know, we all know. Oh, is this going to be about syllabi writing? No. But it's critically important because it's kind of our contract. That's kind of our first connection with our learning, with our students, with our learning. And so to make sure that we're looking at some kind of what are some of the ways that they can connect for some assistance, that they can connect with us. Um, yes, we, you know, asked to include a disability statement, but it's broader than that. You know, it's how are, what, are, what are the avenues that are available so we can connect with our students? And as Nancy pointed out, what I think is different about UDL than differentiation or, oh my gosh, I need to get a, a transcriber for this, or oh my goodness, I have to have this as a print copy for students. It's really for all of us as we're thinking about enhancement, how do we enhance this broader upfront with our planning so that we don't have those emergencies as things go on? The third week of school, the fourth week of the semester, the fifth week of semester, I didn't know the student couldn't read this. I didn't know the student speaks four languages and none of them are English. You know, how can we provide an environment that will meet the broadest possible range of our users from the beginning? And that's, you know, all of us as we're wanting to enhance, I think all of us need to do that. We know our content really well, but what can we continue to add so we can meet more of our learners? Okay? Thanks, Nancy. Um, so, as we're thinking about icebreakers, uh, how many of you use icebreakers? Either in the chat, just raise your hand, or if you're in the class, yeah, icebreakers can terrific way to get started, right? Think about one, why is an icebreaker important? And either chat about it or turn to the person next to you and tell, why do you use an icebreaker? Go ahead, we'll just give you 30 seconds. Why do you use one? What's important about it? Okay, a couple of folks responding in the chat. There's conversations here as well. It reduces anxiety. It begins that bond, absolutely, that we take a look at. Um, it's a great initial assessment, absolutely. The, some, of the, some of the responses in the chat box, exactly what we're wanting. We want to start developing a professional learning community so we can start sharing, learning about our students, set some of the expectations, some of the frameworks so that we will know um, more about our students and their goals. Most of the times with icebreakers, we don't do a lot of the content because we want to start learning about the students. It's also a great way to start demonstrating some of the technology that's available. 
so we can ask them do they can they upload to YouTube can they do a video can we do a narrated PowerPoint those are all opportunities to have them explore in a real non-threatening way some of I see some head nods absolutely that are some uh, tools that are available um, that we'll be using with with um, our UDL so as we're planning the content modules obviously I'm sure each of us have a real clear template so the students will know when we start with our goals and standards and of course we know all of that we know what we need to be teaching we know what the students need to be demonstrating with their knowledge so now we think about how can we be more flexible how can we offer multiple ways for students to learn engage demonstrate the learning that are stated here Go ahead. As Nancy had said, we're, uh, very briefly, that we're looking at multiple ways for us to represent the learning, reflect on all the different ways here to meet our learning styles, for more access to the information. Then, how will our students demonstrate their learning? There's more than just a written essay test. Did I say that out loud? I guess I did. There's multiple ways, right, for those of us to, to show what they're learning. I would think especially in so many of our of our content areas correct because of their demonstration tasks so then how can we incorporate that at the outset and then we're looking at multiple way means of engagement to build on those eight icebreakers those those accessibility those interactions that build on that professional learning community as we move forward a couple of examples that are available here um, part of it is with the content part of it is with the tools and so I'm going to give a couple examples about content examples and then Nancy will talk about a couple of the tools and there's more tools that are available with the resources that are, are online so to access the content we may want to chunk the information we want to use different text and images we want to use plain language not incorrect language but plain language often for accessing the content we use I use a, a, a course design that's the same across so that they know with every module and they know what to expect and when to expect at least the structure of the modules and then to simplify the different navigation so that they're very clear on with the course design also Nancy will be talking about that with you do it to demonstrate their learning um, there's so many opportunities with technology and honestly so many of the students are so um, they have so much knowledge and how about technology and the uses of technology and how to use technology to perform tasks well, just think then as we're enhancing, what are some of those technology tools that they could be using to demonstrate performance tasks within our courses that will align as well as providing more um, accesses to our students by using voice recordings, by doing an oral sharing display, by using um, uh, digital characters, by using avatars, by using some of the websites that then will um, narrate and provide um, expert performances that they can create their own YouTube video as just some ideas for demonstrating their knowledge one of the examples that I included here um, just as we're, as we're going through this obviously we're starting with some type this is from one one of the classes that I teach this is based on competencies from our professional organizations as well as um, based on our professional standards um, for this particular class in the graduate program um, the criteria remain the same but then the idea with the UDL is to provide it as a, a very authentic task that they can use this another that it's I'm not their only audience as well so many when I think about the teachers who are taking our courses for the most part 
that they have their own course websites, that they have URLs, or they have their school sites, being mindful of other other ways for their expression, that then to build that in, so the criteria are the same. The critical attributes are the same. And the CAST website talks about that a lot. Because I think sometimes, especially when you just, when I find our students are just getting started, they think, oh, what a fun activity, which is great. But it has to be more than a fun activity. It has to be directly related to what we need them to teach and learn and show, demonstrate. So then for options that they have, they can work sing by themselves. They can work within a group of two or three. I can connect them with others in the student. They can create a PowerPoint presentation. They can narrate the PowerPoint presentation. They can create, they can present. We use Adobe Connect a lot in our courses. They can connect that. They can present that. They can videotape it. They can update it. They can upload it to YouTube. All of those are absolute fine options. The rubric, though, when you take a look at the assessment rubric, the assessment rubric is the same, right? Because the competencies are the same. The performance tasks and what they are to accomplish and demonstrate for their performance task is exactly the same. The way they're demonstrating it is just as different as their needs are for learning needs, their authentic tasks that they would like to also use this product for. Um, and so it really, they appreciate the opportunities to be able to explore some of the students, they'll try a Prezi out, you know, and then they'll see what each other is doing. So they're encouraging each other to try other multiple means of expression of their work as well. And so same point, same rubric. It's just then it's multiple ways of their expression. Assessment, as I mentioned, their clear expectations, the rubrics are the same. It's just that there's, we're providing multiple means of expression for them. And so engagement from the icebreakers and forward. It's constantly challenging ourselves to consider what are multiple ways of, of interactions with the students, with, with as professors and the students, the students with themselves, um, the, the different tools, and then the students with the content. There are multiple opportunities for video and audio. Think about some of the students, again, planning for the broadest group. So then are there videos that are captioned? Are there experts that could be part of the presentation? Um, are there um, reteaching opportunities? Are there authentic opportunities for them to actually practice and use some of the skills that they are learning? It really is thinking about using the, the <laughs> you know, giving the, the feedback verbally, giving the feedback on a rubric, giving the feedback um, using the video. Of course, I have to be up first thing in the morning, I have to be right from work, or there's nobody going to be videotaping me <laughs> giving feedback. But all those resources are available to us. Um, that are nice to do, but sometimes are necessary to do, depending on the needs of our students. And so it teaches self-reflection, their own assessment as a learner, and then as they think about others that they're going to be sharing this information with. And so engagement. So then your question about interactions is then, how do we get started? Okay, the consideration and summary, it's always about multiple pathways. And how exciting that most of you are here that all of us are on that journey. All of us here in this room and in, the, in our online audience. We know so many things. We add a couple more tools. We add a couple of technologies constantly changing and provides us even more opportunities to meet more of our students learning. And so the more that we can model um, UDL, the more that we can offer multiple opportunities um, within a consistent framework, 
of the learning of the standards that we need to. It provides a source of learning um, for all of our professional learning. And so, Nancy, how do we get started? We want to think about how what's what's on our tools that can help us out, please. If you're a person that works here at the University of Central Florida, inside all of your web courses at UCF courses, on the left-hand toolbar, you'll see a tool called You Do It. And I'll show you what that looks like in just a second. Just very brief. I know it's already 125. I just want to make you aware this is a tool. It's a grant that um, we applied for a few years ago from Instructor Canvas. It was a universal design for learning grant where we wanted a tool that faculty could use inside their courses that they could analyze their own course, their own content, to see um, if it's accessible to all of our students. Um, we found that most faculty want to, not, not all, faculty want to make sure the material is accessible, but they don't always know how to do it. So this tool is a way, a, a faculty-facing tool that allows faculty to check their content on their own, each of you, and then um, it generates a report and also gives you you fix it items or, where faculty can fix their items in their course on their own. I'm gonna, um, there's a URL here. Um, to how to get more information about you do it, or you can contact our office for additional help. One thing it's nice about it, if you're not a UCF person, it's open source. Anyone that uses Canvas can um, use this software at their institution. It's not just for UCF. Anybody can use it. We have institutions across the country, where's my mouse? Institutions across the country who are installing it there. Um, some things that it checks for, use of headings and page structure. I'll talk really quickly. Alternative text for images, table headers, color contrast, Descriptive link text and video captions are things it checks for. Um, as I was saying, faculty-centric tool. We want it to be something faculty could use on their own. And we also want it to be educational. All of the information inside each of these areas it checks links to educational resources um, that will teach faculty more about um, the different areas that they're checking and how to make it better. And also, we want it to be proactive, allow faculty to do this on their own. But we're here to support and help anyone that wants help with you do it. Um, this is what you do it looks like inside your course. In the left-hand navigation, you will see a link to you do it. You click on it, you'll get a welcome screen. allows you to choose different areas of your course that you want to check for accessibility, and then you would hit the run the scanner. But since we're running out of time, we'll spend some more time on that anytime you'd like. We can set up workshops, and we can set up one-on-one -on -one consultations with anyone that wants to learn more about you do it and how to use it in their course. Um, so, so final thought is that there is nothing more unequal than the equal treatment of unequal people. So hopefully today you'll keep in mind all the things you learned today about the varying ways that people learn, the different principles that are involved with the UDL framework that CAST has developed, and think about our learners to try to reach the broadest audience possible, and we'll all work towards making our courses more accessible to all of our students. Any final thoughts, Dr. Little? No, thank you so much for being here. I know that there we, have, we left some time for questions, if there are any, either from the chat or from the audience here. But thank you so much for your attention. All right. Thank you so much, ladies. At this time, we're going to see if there are any lingering questions from the online audience. So far, it looks it looks like uh, they're going to, yeah, hopefully, online audience. conversation going on in there. <laughs> online audience, please stick around longer if you can. Um, are there any questions from our face-to-face -face audience to Nancy or Mary. And if any questions come up after you leave today, we'll be more than happy to address any of those following the session. Our contact information was up there. <laughs> you can contact either of us for any further information or discussion on UDL and myself or our department about you do it. I think what's so important, many of you had said that I'm looking for a few more things to enhance because it's a constant process. And so 
the resources that are online, there's a lot of terrific um, opportunities there. And even and starting with you, do it and thinking about both content, what are some different conf, uh, content changes, and then taking a look at the technology itself. Um, what would be something to do within the online courses? And so, I'm, I really we're honored. I'm honored. We're honored that you took yes. time to be with us today, both in the uh, virtual environment and those face to face. Thank you all so much.